I found myself in the rock bottom of motherhood. And this is when you know you're blessed. You know you have so much to be grateful for, but you're deeply unhappy and you can't figure out why. Why am I so unhappy? All you know is life just feels impossible at times. Motherhood is hard. It's not what you thought it would be. You can't seem to get your head above water. You feel deeply unfulfilled at the end of the day and you have no idea who you are or what you want anymore. Yeah, that was me. You know, my house was a disaster. We struggled to keep the basics up, just like dishes and laundry. We were drowning in clutter and so many things that my kids didn't even seem to appreciate. My weight and my health were a wreck. My marriage was miserable. I seriously considered having an affair. I was drinking at least a bottle of wine every day. And, you know, I've always been a positive person. I've always been naturally motivated and I would always start out with positive intentions for the day. But as the day went on and mom struggles got harder, it would get the best of me. And I always seemed to get irritated with my kids, you know, bouncing between crying in the pantry and running to wipe one of their butts or cleaning up an accident or fetching snacks. And I just wondered why my life felt so hard and what I was doing so wrong. I tried to be a good mom. I loved my kids, but I just wasn't enjoying motherhood. In fact, I was miserable. I hated myself. I hated life. And I couldn't seem to figure out how to get traction and make things better. I couldn't seem to get my head above water. I knew that that time with my kids was a precious time, but I couldn't figure out how to actually enjoy it. And then one day, I had a realization. Many of you have asked me to share my story. And since this will be year three of the Motivation for Moms podcast, which is just crazy, I figured it was time to share my story of how I got here. So thanks for requesting this. Just a disclaimer before we dive in, this may not be the best episode to listen to if you have kids around, just because I share some things that I went through that are very adult in nature that might be better for adults only to hear. Also, some of the things I talk about might be very triggering for some of you, but this is my life, and for those of you who want to hear it, here it goes. Thanks for being here. This is the Motivation for Mom Show, a personal development podcast for moms, hosted by certified life coach and fellow mama, Sarah Munder. Each week, Sarah will bring you motivation, inspiration, and personal empowerment to help you show up even stronger for your family and be the mom and woman you were meant to be. You sacrifice so much of yourself every day, and it's time to take at least a few minutes and invest this time into nurturing yourself and filling your soul. You are worthy and you deserve it. Ready, Mama? Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to download your free copy of The Mama Miracle, which is a worksheet I created to help you get out of a rut, start your day with clarity and intention, and start manifesting some really positive changes in your life. Mom life can feel really hard at times, and sometimes we just need to take a few minutes and brain dump everything that we feel isn't working and get crystal clear on what positive changes we want to welcome into our life. The Mama Miracle Worksheet was originally one of my best-selling products, but I'm giving it to you for absolutely free. Just go to themamamiracle.com, click on the banner at the top of the page, Put in your name and best email address and I'll email it over to you immediately so you can print it out and fill it out as many times as you need to get your mind right and start creating some mama miracles. You have more power than you realize and I'd love to help you find that power in this life-changing worksheet. So go get your copy of The Mama Miracle for free at themamamiracle.com. Now, go enjoy the episode. Where do I even begin? Where would you begin if someone asked you to tell your story? I know that you're listening to this because you're thinking about your own life's journey 
and you're seeking inspiration for your daily life. And so as you listen to this episode, as you listen to me tell my story, I'd like you to be thinking about your own story and how far you've come on your journey and where you might be being guided to in the next chapter of your life. So get comfortable, grab something to drink, or maybe you're listening to this while you're doing the dishes or driving or working out, but wherever you are, just hold on tight and let's go down this journey together. I truly believe that we can look back on our life's journey and connect the dots of what we've been through and what doors had to close so that new ones would open to us. There are so many challenges that we go through and they don't feel fair at the time, do they? We ask ourselves, why? Why am I being allowed to go through this? Why me? But that's just our small, limited human brain seeing only where we're at at that moment. It takes a lot of wisdom and patience to get through our difficult times, to understand that there are greater forces at play in our life, and that one day we'll know why we went through what we went through. So I'm Sarah Munder. At the time of this recording, I'm 32 years old, born in September 1988. I'm a Libra. I'm married. My husband's name is Greg. I have three kids, two girls and a little boy, and two boxer dogs. We relocated from San Diego, California to Atlanta, Georgia last year in 2020. And so we've started a whole new life out here as of recently. I'm a life coach. I run my own business, Coaching Moms. And on this podcast and through my 12-week coaching program, Breakthrough, I also consider myself a writer and I'm working on my first book. My husband is a sales professional at a tech company and he works very long hours. And for those of you who are also married to someone in sales, I don't have to explain to you the challenges of being with someone in that role, the ups and the downs, the financial insecurity and uncertainty at times, the long hours, the endless drive for more. But, you know, he's very good at what he does. He does very, very well. He's always been the top performer in every sales role he's had, and I'm proud of him. I support his drive, and he supports me in what I'm doing too. So I want to back up a little so you can kind of see where I came from versus where I am now. Now, I was raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, and that means that growing up, I never celebrated birthdays or any of the holidays. I wasn't allowed to have friends outside of the religion. I wasn't allowed to do extracurricular activities, and our entire life was devoted to service in the religion. For me, that was just my life. That was what I knew from day one. It was all I ever knew. You know, I saw the world one way, the way that the religion taught me about creation and what happens to us when we die and how God was soon going to destroy the earth as we know it today in Armageddon and that the earth would become a paradise and that only those who served God would make it. I was born into this belief and everything that I was taught, that's just the way life was for me. That was my reality. When I was a teenager, I really started to have some mental health and emotional health issues, and they weren't really ever addressed. I think instead, what I went through was more so punished inside the religion, which definitely did not help me. My mom and dad always advocated for me, but I don't really think they ever truly knew just how serious my emotional issues were. I started drinking as early as I can remember. I had always loved alcohol. I loved the way it tasted, the way it smelled, the way it made me feel. I used to ask for sips of alcohol when my parents had, you know, a glass of wine or a beer. And at a very young age, even the age of 12, I think it was, I was when I got drunk for the first time. I'll never forget that trip. I went camping with my dad And it was him and a bunch of his guy friends. And he let me have a beer. And honestly, I was probably drinking five or six of them without him noticing. And that went on throughout my teenage years. I would drink whenever I had the opportunity. I got a fake ID as soon as I could. I had several actually. And then around the age of 17, I discovered what it felt like to cut myself for the first time, which quickly 
developed into an addiction. So I had an alcohol addiction for sure. I had a cutting addiction, which I didn't even know it was a thing, but it just kind of became a thing for me. And then I'd also take Vicodin whenever I had the chance to. One night I had a severe mental crisis and actually experienced near alcohol poisoning. My boyfriend found me unconscious laying in my own vomit and blood because I had cut myself so bad. And so he took me to the hospital. Looking back, I don't think that anyone ever really saw what I was going through. At least that's what it felt like. It always felt like I was unseen. Even after that night, I just kind of felt like I dealt with it on my own. I also did a really good job at hiding any instability that I had. I did a good job at portraying myself as a strong, confident, you know, sane person. And Looking back, I probably convinced the hospital staff even that, you know, it was just kind of a freak night of accidentally drinking too much and probably wiggled my way out of any kind of follow-up help that I'm pretty sure that they have to offer you when you end up in the hospital. You know, even today, I notice as I go through mental health challenges as an adult, I do try to put on a very put-together appearance even when I'm going through stuff. Like, I don't want anyone to ever see when I'm dealing with mental crisis or an emotional crisis. And I'm working on that because I know that when I'm vulnerable and I share my challenges with you, it helps you. And when I share you how I'm going through it and how I'm dealing with it, it helps you. But the drinking and the cutting went on for years and I still have scars today. And when I was 18, I got married to the same guy who actually took me to the hospital that night. We wanted to have sex, but we didn't want to get kicked out of the religion. So we got married because that's what the right thing to do was. But that was an insanely unhealthy marriage. As you can imagine, you know, where I was mentally and just developmentally in my life, um, you know, being raised in that type of oppressive religious environment and, you know, really just learning who I was and what life was about. So that marriage only lasted a year. You know, I had my issues, he had his his issues, and it was just a recipe for disaster. So actually that marriage ended in a physical fight one day. And it was not just him. I fully take responsibility for I was very much a part of that too. We both hurt each other. And that's when my mom and stepdad really stepped in and said, no more of this. They came to my rescue and they said to me that I was never going to go back to that relationship again. But of course, I loved him and after things settled down, I wanted to work things out with him. He didn't and he left for Hawaii and I stayed behind. In fact, fun fact, if you're a client of mine and you've ever wondered why I have a Hawaiian area code on my phone, it's because he and I were supposed to move to Hawaii together. We even went as far as to get Hawaiian area codes on our phones. But then we got in that fight and he went and I stayed and I've never changed my number even after all these years later. So that was really the first real crisis that I had experienced as an adult, a divorce, addictions, you know, an identity crisis. Because at that point I started to pull away from the religion And I started to realize that there may be more to God than just what I was taught my whole life. And looking back, man, I was a mess. But I always had a really good heart. And I always cared about people. I always wanted to be a mom. And I wanted to live life to the fullest. So at that time, I think I was around 20 And I went to go stay with my dad, my biological dad in Las Vegas, where he lived at the time, until I figured out my next move in life. And that's when my partying really started to pick up. As you can imagine, you know, living in Las Vegas, being 20, having a fake ID, going through a divorce. I was making a ton of money modeling and working like as a hot girl at various events around town. And maybe it's not something that I would recommend to my daughters, but I think it was just my way of trying to get my mind off of my divorce because it was honestly an extremely hard time for me. It was really hard to get over him. I had always had this dream of 
being married and being married forever and being a mom. And that was really the beginning of that dream for me. And when that fell apart, I experienced a true identity crisis, not just breaking up with him, but, you know, drifting away from the religion too. I think it was hard too, because he didn't want to talk. He just ghosted me and he left for Hawaii and I'm not angry with him today. We've talked since then and made up and we have nothing but positive feelings about each other now, but And I actually don't blame him for how he handled the whole situation, you know, just fleeing and not wanting to talk about the hard parts. And, but for me at the time, it was hard to just have him go. And honestly, the only reason I found out that he even went to Hawaii was because I broke into his email account and I found the flight confirmation. And so just being in Vegas and working as a model and partying, I think it was pulling me out of that funk and into a new phase of life. It was definitely a transition. In fact, by complete chance, I was working a NASCAR event one day and I met my best friend, Katie, who is today still my best friend. She's the godmother of my children and I'm forever grateful for her for helping me through that difficult time. You know, Katie is such an incredible God-fearing woman and for me, It was really cool to see someone like Katie, someone who wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, someone who had faith but wasn't confined by religion. She had a relationship with God in her spiritual life without having to have the religious aspect of it like I had grown up with. And I was really beginning to see how spirituality could be a part of life without the religion as I knew it because that religion had failed me. And I just have so much gratitude to Katie. If you guys have ever met Katie, if you've been to one of my events or you've seen Katie tag me in pictures on Facebook, you know that she's just such an amazing person. She's so full of life and she's been with me every step of the way. And so she's played a real pivotal role in my story and even today. It just so happens that right around that time, I also met Greg, my future husband and father of my kids, the man I'm married to today. We met in a nightclub one night, just three months after I split from my ex, which was just crazy. So get this, we passed each other on the dance floor in a nightclub And I asked him if he wanted to make out. Yep, that's how we met. We were both very drunk. I asked him if he wanted to make out. He said yes. Um, We ended up at his hotel that night. I told you this was not the best episode for kids to listen to. Um, And then the next morning, I thought that it was the last time I'd ever see him. But he actually invited me back to his hotel again the next night. And I went over there and we actually ended up talking like the whole night and get this. So many of you know, or maybe I skipped this part of my story, but I was born and raised in Fresno, California. But when I was 16, I moved with my mom and my stepdad to Monterey, California and finished growing up there. Well, as it turns out, this guy, Greg, who I had just met, he was born in Monterey and his mom and Nana still lived there. So here we were, two people who had just randomly met in Las Vegas, both from the same small town on the central coast of California. And there were so many other things we had in common, like his mom and dad met at Fresno State University, which like I said, I was born and raised in Fresno until I was 16. So crazy, crazy stuff. And I liked this guy, but honestly, I just thought that it would be the end of it with him. Soon after that, I ended up back in Monterey with my mom and my stepdad And randomly, I got a phone call from him one night, and we talked for two hours. And he said that he was coming up from San Diego to Monterey. He lived in San Diego, but he was going to come visit his mom and Nana in Monterey. And he asked if he could see me, and I was so excited. But honestly, I was nervous, too. I, I had just gotten out of this messy marriage, and I was very emotionally unstable. And I almost canceled the whole thing at the last minute, but I didn't. I thought, man, this guy's really, really hot. So I didn't cancel it with him. I, he ended up staying with me that trip and we started to fall for each other really fast. If you recall, 
this was when I was in a transitionary period in my life when I was trying to figure out my next steps. I didn't really have a home. <laughs> my mom was like paying for Airbnbs and hotels for me to stay in because they were, they would have let me stayed with them, my mom and my stepdad, but they were like renovating their house and they just didn't have the room. So I'm staying in hotels. I'm trying to figure out the next steps in my life. I had no solid ground to stand on, on my own two feet. I had no college experience. You know, I was emotionally unstable, but I was determined (laughs) to figure out my next steps. And looking back, wow, you know, I had the world at my feet. And I remember dreaming about where I would go and what I would do next. I had just come out of that messy marriage. I was drifting away from the religion as a Jehovah's Witness and starting to see the world in a whole new way. I had very little money, just what I could scrape together from waitressing or modeling gigs. I didn't have a college degree. I honestly didn't even know how to go to college or what the difference was between community college or bigger colleges. And that's because in the Jehovah's Witness organization, higher education isn't a priority. It isn't really recommended. So I just started dreaming about what was possible now that I was out of that religion and I was out of that marriage. And I thought, gosh, I could move to Santa Barbara. I could move to San Diego and just start fresh somewhere. It's kind of interesting that I thought about moving to San Diego before Greg and I met. And Greg shortly after that, convinced me to come visit him in San Diego. And I'd never been there before. I just heard it was a really cool place. So I went. And that trip was the trip that really changed the course of the future for me. I stayed with him and his roommates in his gorgeous condo in beautiful Mission Valley, San Diego. I was 20. I was learning about this whole new world. And Greg and I really had a lot of fun together. We started to fall for each other And listen, Greg's a good salesman, but it didn't really take much convincing for me to be convinced to move down there with him. And at the time, my mom, who at that time was still one of Jehovah's Witnesses, she was not happy about it. Moving to San Diego with a guy that I just met from Vegas after all I had been through in my messy marriage. But you know what? I just followed my instinct and I was done being held down. So I went and I moved to San Diego. And later she said that as hard as that time was on our relationship, me and my mom's relationship, moving down there for me, for me only, was the best thing that I ever could have done for myself. And it was really the beginning of me learning how to trust my instinct. So I moved down with Greg and his roommates and I had the intention of getting my own place. I was, you know, just kind of thinking that that would just be a temporary situation until I got on my own two feet. I got a job. I got my own place. That's what I really wanted. I really wanted to be independent and confident and successful on my own. And I stayed with Greg and his roommates for a few months And I got a job as a waitress at P.F. Chang's, and I did really, really well. I made a lot of money there. And that was the best summer ever. That first summer that I moved down there, it was 2009. And soon after that, we all, me and Greg and his roommates, we all moved into a bigger house. And I decided that I would stay with them in this new house, but I needed my own room. So at least that gave me a small sense of standing on my own two feet. And it's it's funny now that I think about it. You know, now Greg and I are married. We've been married for a long time. And I still insist on having my own space. And we don't say that we have two separate rooms, but in reality, we kind of do because he sleeps in the basement and I sleep in the master bedroom. And Um, it's just what works out best for us. It's what works out best for me. And a lot of people don't agree with it, but that's just how I need to function my best. And then guess who came strolling back from Hawaii with a tan? Yep. The ex-husband. And he came back, he wanted to meet up and I thought that would be a good idea just to get some closure. And really that was the first time I had heard from him since we had that fight that split us up. And so we met up and instead of getting closure, we felt all of our feelings all over again. And he wanted to get back together. And we were still married 
at that point. Neither of us had filed for divorce. We were still married. And I think that mentally that made it a little bit easier to imagine getting back with him. Since I was living with Greg, I had to break up with Greg and arrange to go live with my ex now, which, as you can imagine, was a very messy and difficult situation. Greg was heartbroken and I was confused and my ex was confused and it was just, that was a difficult time. It was late 2009. And one day while I was in the process of moving out of that house that we lived in with Greg and the roommates, I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, what the hell am I doing? I love Greg. And I'm going back to, I'm going backwards back to a situation that was unhealthy and abusive. So I started to have some doubts. And I think right then and there, I just realized I'm making the wrong decision. But I had already ended my lease and someone was planning to move into my bedroom in that house with Greg and his roommates. So I decided not to get back with my ex. And instead, I decided, you know what, maybe now's the time that it's really time for me to live by myself for a while. After all, I had never really had the chance to do that. So I moved into a condo that my family had owned back in Monterey, a condo that I lived in all by myself, a studio apartment that my mom had refurbished. And I just decided to focus on me. And I was fortunate that Greg still wanted to stay with me and still work on our relationship and do the long distance thing, which honestly was a big surprise to me. And and I wanted that too, but I thought at that point I had really ruined things with him. And so that's what we did for six months. We did the long distance thing, him living in San Diego, me living up in Monterey. And I think looking back, honestly, that was the best thing we could have ever done for our relationship. And so we, I lived up in Monterey for six months and Then I moved back down to San Diego, but this time Greg and I got a place together, all our own, without roommates. And that's what the next stage of our relationship really needed. I was still working as a waitress at P.F. Chang's, but he convinced me to come and work for him at his business that he started. It was a legal services business that helped people fight their traffic tickets. So We did that. We moved in together. We lived together for five years. We ran that business together, which very much defined those early years of our relationship, you know, running a business, managing employees, sharing an office together. And that in itself tested our relationship in many, many ways. But we had a lot of fun. We saw a lot of success. And I think even though we ran this business together. I still had my own role in the business that had allowed me to grow in my career and learn new things. And it was really, really fun. Now, at one point, our office was broken into and the thieves took all of our iMac computers, which was the livelihood of our business. And they took a bunch of other random stuff like candy and my desk drawer, just weird stuff. And I remember that they had broken in through a window and as they were climbing through the window, they must've cut their hand on the broken glass because they left bloody handprints all over the office, which just made the whole thing so much creepier. And that was a real pivotal moment in our business And even in our relationship, it was honestly the beginning of a really dark period for us. I could never go back to that office. It just had really weird juju to it. And our business had been severely affected by that loss. Um, Because even though we had insurance, our business was deeply affected by that break in just the downtime of, you know, trying to get our computers replaced and everything and our customers not being attended to. And so it came to a point actually where we were facing bankruptcy and we couldn't afford to pay the lease on our office. We had to walk away from the lease, which was a huge lease. And we had to let most of our employees go. And we tried to salvage what we could just to keep the business alive and serve the customers that we had. But that was a really, really difficult place for us. It was hard to make the right decision, especially having employees you know, who had to pay their bills. So all of this happened so quickly. We got broken into, 
we were facing bankruptcy. Um, we couldn't even afford to pay the lease. So we had to walk away from our lease in that office. And then we got hit with a lawsuit from the landlords because we broke our lease because we still had so much time on our lease. And I remember the devastation that we felt at that point. It was so, it felt so helpless. And then just randomly, all of a sudden, one day, our competitors, who we knew very well, um, they had approached us to acquire our company. And that was just like completely out of the blue. It was a surprise, but it was like just the right time. And so here they were wanting to buy the company. And we thought, you know, maybe this is the way out for us. So we ended up pursuing that option. And we went into basically business escrow of transferring everything over over to the new owners. And then we decided to actually move because that's what we do. We run away from our problems. We moved up to the Bay Area, which is the San Francisco Bay Area, um, because we knew that Greg was transitioning out of that business, obviously, and he wanted to get into the tech scene in Silicon Valley. So we moved up to the Bay Area, you know, trying to figure out our next moves. It was now time for us to get married because we had gotten engaged a year before and um, we were planning our wedding. And so we, we went back down to San Diego to have our wedding, but we were living up in the Bay area. So we got married and then we got pregnant on our honeymoon, which, um, we went to Oahu, Hawaii for our honeymoon. Talk about full circle. So here we were living in San Francisco, newly married, pregnant. Now we had just sold our company and honestly, the funds from the sale of the company didn't last very long, just from having a wedding and then, you know, moving up to Silicon Valley. It's very, very expensive. And looking back, we could have definitely been smarter with our money, but we were what 25. So yeah, you live, you learn, but, um, to get cash flow into our life, we started driving for Lyft and this was back when Lyft was a very, very new company, still mostly in San Francisco. So we were driving in San Francisco. Um, imagine me pregnant, <laughs> driving for Lyft in San Francisco, like all of those hilly streets, having to stop like every 30 minutes to go to the bathroom because I was pregnant. But that was quite an experience, driving for Lyft, meeting so many people, learning about the city of San Francisco and just trying to figure out our next moves in life. And, um, you know, after we sold the business, I figured, you know, I couldn't drive Lyft forever. I was going to have a baby soon. And it was time for me to, to develop my own career. And so my husband at that time, as even though we had moved up to the Bay Area for him to get a job with a tech company, he landed a job with a tech company, but back in San Diego. And so here we are, we moved again back to San Diego. I was nine months pregnant. We drove through the night and I'll never forget how hard that drive was through the night being nine months pregnant from San Francisco to San Diego, but we barely got settled in, in our new home in time. And you'll come to learn that I have a history of doing crazy stunts like this. And right around that time, I decided for my next career move that I wanted to become a naturopathic doctor. I discovered naturopathic medicine. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was a thing. And there happened to be a naturopathic medicine school in San Diego. So I laid out an eight-year plan. I threw myself in. I went to college to get a bachelor's degree in complementary and alternative health, which I was very, very proud of because as I mentioned the idea of getting a four-year degree was something that I did not think I could ever do. I was definitely the first in my family to do it, and it just seemed so impossible. And so when I did it, I didn't just have our first daughter, but by then I had our second daughter too. And we moved several times during the process because for some reason we had a habit of moving every year. And then it was around 2017, and my husband had gotten a job promotion at the company. He worked for Sunrun, which is a solar company. And he, we were living in Temecula, California, which is about an hour north of San Diego. He was working as regional sales manager, which was the best job that he had ever had up to that point. And we were living in this big house. We had two little girls and I found myself in the rock bottom of motherhood. And this is when you know you're blessed 
you know you have so much to be grateful for, but you're deeply unhappy and you can't figure out why. Why am I so unhappy? All you know is life just feels impossible at times. Motherhood is hard. It's not what you thought it would be. You can't seem to get your head above water. You feel deeply unfulfilled at the end of the day and you have no idea who you are or what you want anymore. Yeah, that was me. You know, my house was a disaster. We struggled to keep the basics up just like dishes and laundry. We were drowning in clutter and so many things that my kids didn't even seem to appreciate. My weight and my health were a wreck. My marriage was miserable. I seriously considered having an affair. I was drinking at least a bottle of wine every day. And you know, I've always been a positive person. I've always been naturally motivated. And I would always start out with positive intentions for the day. But as the day went on and mom struggles got harder, it would get the best of me. And I always seemed to get irritated with my kids, you know, bouncing between crying in the pantry and running to wipe one of their butts or cleaning up an accident or fetching snacks. And I just wondered why my life felt so hard and what I was doing so wrong. I tried to be a good mom. I loved my kids, but I just wasn't enjoying motherhood. In fact, I was miserable. I hated myself. I hated life. And I couldn't seem to figure out how to get traction and make things better. I couldn't seem to get my head above water. I knew that that time with my kids was a precious time, but I couldn't figure out how to actually enjoy it. And then one day, I had a realization. I remembered something that someone once told me. She said, you know, you control the tides in your family. And I realized that if I wasn't happy, it was up to me to change things. I had been walking around feeling sorry for myself for things being so hard. I felt like a victim to the challenges of my life. And I was acting like it too. And I realized that I had the power to change the tides in my family if we were drowning in those tides. My great-grandmother, who I was very close with, always said to me, I have to get my mind right. And I realized I needed a way to get my mind right every day so that I could remember how much power I had, especially after losing the structure and routine of having the religion that I grew up with. I needed something that I could do every day. So I created a worksheet called The Mama Miracle, which you've heard me talk about on this podcast like every single episode. So I started filling it out every day and it totally changed things for me. It helped me get my mind right. It helped me take charge of my life. And right about that time in 2017, I would say late 2017, I was also going through an identity crisis like many of you have told me that you have gone through in motherhood. I no longer wanted to be a naturopathic doctor. Or maybe I didn't know what I didn't want to do. I just felt like I was being called in a different direction. And I had no idea what that was or what it would look like. I just knew that the direction that I had been headed was no longer what I wanted. You know, for me, becoming a naturopathic doctor was always the big dream. But I began to feel like, gosh, maybe there's something even bigger out there for me. I just, I didn't know what that was. And I felt guilty for not wanting to pursue this big dream of being a naturopathic doctor anymore, just because it's what I committed to. You know, I invested four years and thousands of dollars on my undergraduate degree so that I could get into naturopathic medicine school. And I was worried about what people would think of me changing my mind. So would this all be for a waste? You know, I don't know. I didn't have any answers. I just decided to trust the process and see how it would all unfold. So I kept doing the Mama Miracle worksheet and then I started selling it for $11 on Etsy and people actually bought it and they told me how it helped them too. And I got a tremendous amount of joy and satisfaction from being able to help other moms get out of their rut. When I was a teenager, I worked for my stepfather's TV stations back in California. And I loved being on camera. I loved bringing the energy and brightening people's day. 
And I started listening to podcasts right around the age of 18. And the first one that I ever listened to was called Morning Coach by J.B. Glossinger. And it changed my life. I'd always dreamed of maybe one day starting my own show or podcast. I just thought that it would be a show or a podcast about naturopathic medicine. But the more that I used my worksheet, The Mama Miracle, and the more people I shared it with, the more passionate I became in this idea of changing mom's lives, not just my own, but my fellow mamas who were going through the same struggles that I had. And I had heard that we can turn our pain into our purpose. And in seeking to find my purpose, I was invited to look at the pain that I I had experienced throughout my life and ask myself, how can I use it to help others? How can I use it to make the world a better place? You know, like I said earlier, I had always wanted to be a mom and I desperately wanted to enjoy this precious chapter of motherhood. And I wanted my fellow moms to enjoy it too. You know, after all, I loved not just my children, but I loved all children. I loved my kids. I loved her kids. I love your kids. And I knew that as a mom, my role was really important and that my mental health was important to my kids' livelihood. And I started to think about how I wanted my kids to remember their childhood and how they wanted to remember me as their mom. That rock bottom that I had been in was not what I wanted them to remember me as. And I didn't want them to remember their childhood in that way either. I knew that there was other moms out there who wanted to change the tides in their family too. The question was how? How do I help them? How do I reach them? So I had this idea of starting the podcast. And it's crazy, but it's like, as soon as the idea entered my consciousness, it was like it was decided. I didn't second guess it for a second. But I had no idea how to start a podcast. I had no idea what this would turn into. I just put one foot in front of the other. I did some Googling. Before I knew it, I had recorded a few episodes in my closet and hit publish. The Mama Miracle Morning Show was born. The thing is, I knew I wasn't really an expert at anything yet. I was just sharing what was helping me pull myself out of a rut. My life was changing. I was feeling excited about life. I was actually enjoying motherhood. I decided to quit drinking and share my story of how that was changing my life. My marriage was getting better. I was getting into shape. I had more energy. I was deeply connected with my kids. My house was getting in order and staying in order. You know, life was starting to feel really good. I was starting to feel like I could thrive. And it was all because I made the decision to change things and stop acting like a victim to the challenges of my life. Like I said, I didn't know what would become of all of this. I just knew that I was in a really positive place and I was headed in a really positive direction. Many of you would send me messages and tell me that you were listening to the podcast and you would tell me that it was helping you and you would ask me for my advice on different struggles that you were having. And maybe I gave you a well-thought-out answer because that's something that I would do. But, you know, I didn't really know how to truly help you. And so that's when I thought, I want to learn how to help people change their life. I want to help these moms. So I decided to become a life coach. And I got certified as a life coach. I started creating online courses and programs to help you based on what was working for me and what I was learning and what struggles you were telling me you were having. And that's what I'm doing today in a nutshell. In 2019, which was the year that I stopped drinking, the year that I got certified as a coach, everything I was learning and all the ways that I was growing would prepare me 
for what was an extremely difficult year. So in 2019, we lost our nine-year-old boxer, Harley, to cancer. You know, she was getting real slow, but one day she just started having seizures, very violent seizures, and they couldn't control it with medication. And it got so bad in the span of that one day that it basically fried her brain. Like she was, you know, running into walls and we knew that we had to put her down. So we said goodbye. We put her down. You know, that that was hard, as you can imagine. I had adopted Harley as a puppy during that short six months that I lived by myself in Monterey. Do you remember how I said Greg and I broke up for six months? Or we didn't break up, but we had a long distance relationship for six months and I had moved back up to Monterey. And that was a very precious time in my life of me finally standing on my own two feet. And that's when I adopted Harley. That that was a decision that I had made all on my own without anybody else's input. I just found her and I adopted her. And so Harley was a really special dog in my life. She represented something, such a big piece of myself. And I think that that's what made it really hard to say goodbye to her. And I just, I couldn't stand the silence of not hearing her walk around the house anymore. And so I went to work to find a new dog to adopt. And I must have put in, you know, 50 applications for dogs at shelters just around the state. I wanted another boxer, but I didn't want to buy one from a breeder. So I was looking at boxers for adoption all around the state. And I was just not having any luck finding one. And I remember just how frustrated and devastated I felt because I wanted so badly to love on another boxer. But looking back, I know that it was because my path was guided. And the reason why none of those dogs that I applied for worked out was because we were supposed to meet Gigi. Gigi was a two-year-old boxer who we found at a boxer rescue in Los Angeles. And when I found her online, I drove up there from San Diego that same day to meet her while my girls were at school. And it was love at first sight. Gigi was just the perfect dog. And I took her home that day and surprised the girls when I picked them up from school. They had no idea that there was a dog waiting for them. Little Miss Gigi was waiting for them in the car at school And she really was the best dog. She never barked. She was gentle with the kids. She was a good listener. But her only flaw, the one flaw which turned out to be her fatal flaw, was that she was an escape artist. We took Gigi with us on a trip to go visit my mom in Monterey. And I'll never forget that trip. You know, usually when we go up to Monterey, we just stay at my mom's house. And my mom was so sweet to get me a hotel room, (laughs) me and Gigi a hotel room. And she kept the girls at her house and she got me a hotel room for a few days by myself, just me and Gigi right on the beach. And that was the best few days of my life. You know, being a mom to two little girls, as you can imagine, you know, just having that alone time was really important. But just having that time with Gigi in the hotel was amazing. And I could tell that she had never been to the beach before. And when I took her on walks on that beach, she just lit up. I mean, that was Gigi's happy place. And on that trip, um, I had only spent a few days at the hotel and then I went to my mom's house. And we left Gigi at my mom's house while we were visiting Greg's mom. Because if you recall, Greg's mom also lives in Monterey. And so we were visiting Greg's mom for the day. We left Gigi at my mom's house And she climbed the fence in my mom's backyard and she got out. And unfortunately, she made it all the way to the freeway, which is where she was found. She had been hit and killed on the freeway. And I'm just so fortunate that a nice woman who had had dogs and loved dogs, she was the one that found Gigi and she 
called me to tell me that she found my dog on the freeway. And at the time, I was in absolute shock. I was beyond devastated because, you know, the last I knew, Gigi was safe at home at my mom's house. And I couldn't believe that just in a couple hours of us being gone, she managed to climb a six-foot fence. And not just that, but make it all the way to the freeway. I was just sick with grief that the thought that maybe she was coming to look for me. And then later the thought occurred to me that (laughs) maybe she just wanted to go back to the beach. After all, it appears that's where she was headed. Maybe the beach was her soul's home. And when I realized that Maybe she got out and she was headed to the beach to find her soul's calling rather than to find me. It just, I don't know, it just brought me so much peace and comfort. But needless to say, that was a very hard year for me to have just lost Harley and then just a few months later lose Gigi so tragically. And then later that year, my 17-year-old cat, who I had had, you know, since I was 14, which was also a pivotal year because that was the year that my parents got divorced and JD came into my life and she was she represented such a big part of that difficult time too. So later that same year that we lost Harley and Gigi, my 17-year-old cat JD passed away. So it was a big year, but as fate would have it, you know, I lost three of my fur babies, but that same year we also got pregnant with our third baby, a boy. And then we had found and adopted the puppies, James and Emily, who we have today. And so maybe I lost three of my fur babies, but the universe, God, you know, my higher power brought three new babies into my life that year. If you recall, 2019 was also the year that I gave up alcohol, January 7th, 2019. So I went through all of that without having a drink, which for me was a really big deal. And I'm pretty proud at how I coped, how I learned to feel my feelings and be present and how I grew through all of those challenges instead of running away from them or trying to numb them. Now, the big turning point for me and for my family was in January, 2020, My husband had this grand idea of moving to Georgia. I told you that we had a habit of moving a lot, but that honestly doesn't really do justice how impulsive we can both be at times about this kind of stuff. So why Georgia, you ask? Well, my dad lives here with his wife and their eight-year-old son, and so we would often come visit them. And of course, they'd always try to convince us to move closer. And I think Greg was at a point in his career where he had hit a ceiling. Like he had maxed out the amount of money that he could possibly make in that role as a sales manager. And he wanted to move on to bigger and better things. He also wanted to explore and live somewhere different for a while. So he brought up this idea of moving to family to Georgia. And I said, hey, look, hun, you get a job there and I'm all for it. You know, the girls were still little, so they weren't too attached to their schools or anything. But remember, I was pregnant and I was due to have my baby boy in May. So that was January 2020 and I was due in May. So fast forward a few weeks and after flying out to Atlanta, Georgia for a job interview, he was offered a position with the company that he's at now, which was a really good position. And so that was that. It was decided we would move to Georgia and You might think that I had doubts about moving across the country while being pregnant, but I didn't really. In fact, everything just seemed to fall into place. Everything just seemed so guided for us to move out here. You know, even selling our house, we didn't even have to list our home on the market. One of our neighbors just offered to buy it. It was like everything was falling into place for us to come here. Like there was no resistance. 
So we entered escrow on our house. We started packing. We bought a trailer so that we could drive across the country and, you know, make a trip out of it, make a cross-country trip out of it. Plus, we had the dogs, too, so it was just better to drive. And then the week that our home was closing escrow, the pandemic hit and California shut down. And if you recall, California was one of the first states, if not the first, to shut down. So we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if we were going to be able to hire movers that week. We didn't know if we'd be able to cross state lines. We didn't know if we'd even be able to leave our house since California was on a stay-at-home order and we had never, ever in our lives experienced a stay-at-home order or what that meant. We didn't know if Greg would still have a job waiting for him in Georgia. We didn't know if we'd still be able to get into the townhouse that we signed a lease on in Georgia. I mean, there was just so much uncertainty. I mean, there were talks that I wouldn't be able to have my baby in a hospital just because hospitals would be so overwhelmed. Not to mention we had this fear of getting sick now, of being pregnant and getting sick. And it's so crazy to think about, looking back, that this wasn't just my family going through this, but it was everyone going through this, the whole world. It just so happens that we were experiencing this pandemic for the first time ever, while also moving across the country, while also pregnant. But I will say that the Choice to buy a trailer really served us because we were able to safely travel across the country and it ended up that we were able to hire movers and we were able to get into our townhome when we got there and Greg's job did start, but I will admit that that week we spent traveling from California to Georgia in our tiny little trailer with all four of us plus my big giant pregnant belly in our two big dogs and all 17 freaking house plants because they had to travel with us because they couldn't go in the moving truck. It was tough. It was probably one of the toughest weeks of my life because it was hitting me from all angles physically because I had to drive the whole way because we had two cars, but also mentally and emotionally. You know, having to set up camp each night and then drive eight hours a day was rough. But they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I couldn't possibly imagine at the time how I was getting stronger during that week of driving across the country from California to Georgia. If anything, it felt like I was being broken. But looking back, I can see now how I became more resilient I came to appreciate the value and stability. You know, sometimes our growth doesn't happen during the easy, beautiful times in life. But it happens during the ugly, the messy, the hard times in life. When we feel the weakest, that's when we grow. I tell you, when we got to Atlanta on that seventh day, I don't think I could have been happier if you paid me a million dollars. Like, I was so relieved to be there, to get into our townhome apartment, to know that my bed, my blessed Tempur-Pedic bed, was on its way on the moving truck and would be delivered soon. I mean, I didn't even care that I had to sleep on an air mattress those first couple nights. Oh my gosh, that was the best feeling ever. It's funny, I'll never forget. It seemed like Everyone else in the world was complaining about the lockdown and complaining about how bored they were. And all I wanted was to be at home and to be quarantined at home, like for the rest of like forever. It was strange enough to relocate our life, but to do it at the beginning of the pandemic was like another level of discomfort. And I know at the end of the day, I'm blessed and that we chose to relocate and that we came because we are so immensely blessed with this great job that my husband got while other people were losing their jobs. And we were blessed with a home to live in and healthy kids. And not to mention, none of us got sick with coronavirus along the way. 
I fully recognize all of these blessings. And honestly, that's what got me through it. But it doesn't make the pain any less painful. It doesn't make the challenge of that time any less of a challenge. And I want to tell you that if you're struggling mentally and emotionally and physically, for whatever reason, whatever you're going through, if you're going through a phase of life that's particularly hard, just know that your experience is valid. Your feelings are valid. And there is a reason why you're being called through that experience. I knew that we were supposed to be here in Atlanta. I didn't know why. I just knew that everything had been lined up for us to be here. So today we live an incredible life here in Atlanta, Georgia, in a beautiful 5,000 square foot home on nearly an acre in a beautiful golf course community. It was certainly an upgrade for us to come out here. My husband loves his job and he was just named top sales performer in this entire company that he works at. I've developed my career coaching other moms and it brings me deep fulfillment and purpose to help my fellow moms change their life because I know that our role as moms is incredibly important. And I know I'm not alone in the struggles and challenges of motherhood, of reaching for more, of trying to be a good mom. And I seek to use my pain and turn it into my purpose to help you find what I've found, which is that we are stronger than we think. We are more capable than we realize. We don't give ourselves enough credit. If something's not working for us, we can change it. And we control the tides in our family. I know that the work I do to become a better person, the the investments that I make on myself, all of these things have a ripple effect on those around me. It affects my family. It affects future generations. And it affects families around me. And the same goes for you. There's a reason why you're always hearing me say this on the podcast, that when you work on yourself, you make the world a better place. Do you even understand the impact that you have? So now, you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I haven't had a picture perfect life. I have a very unique story with many, many chapters. And so do you. You have your own story and you have a purpose. You have a purpose right now and you have a purpose in the future and that purpose will evolve as time goes on. If you look back on your life, you can connect the dots of where you've been and what you've gone through and where it's led you. It's led you to right where you are right now. And maybe you're going through something right now. And it doesn't feel good. Maybe you're going through something and you feel like you're barely hanging on by the skin of your teeth or whatever that saying is. Maybe you don't feel strong. Maybe you don't feel capable. Maybe you question yourself and doubt yourself. Maybe you have no idea why you're going through what you're going through or what it's all going to lead to or whether you're going to come out alive. But hear me when I say this, you haven't come this far to only come this far. Someday in a year from now or five years from now, or maybe even sooner, maybe even three months from now, you'd be shocked at how your life can change positively in three months. You will be able to look back and connect the dots and you will see how these challenges made you stronger, even if you don't feel it right now. So honor your struggles. Honor your journey. Don't look back. But if you look back, look to see how far you've come. Learn to be present and enjoy the moment. But don't forget to dream about the future and the life you want to create and the woman you want to become. You know, 
It may seem like I had a happy ending to this long story that where I am now is just the perfect life, the perfect family, and the perfect career. But let me be the first to admit it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. In fact, just in these last couple of months, I've faced challenges in my marriage and in addiction that seems to be getting harder as time goes on. But I'm committed to growing through my challenges and not giving up. Life will continue to have its ups and downs. And to really truly get to a place where we love life and feel alive, we have to go through the hard parts to get there. We can't have light without darkness. The sky is darkest just before the dawn. The difference between people who succeed in their goals and people who don't is what they do when things get hard. So I want to encourage you to stay true to who you are on your life's journey. And when things get hard, just hang on. Like my friend Melissa says, Sometimes you just got to ride that wave until it gets to the shore. Love yourself along the way. Do your best. And when you can do more, do more. Thanks for sticking around to the end. This was not a short episode and I appreciate you giving me the space to tell my story. And hopefully you pulled something from it that shined a light on something from your own life that you needed to see. At the very least, I hope you remember just how powerful you are and that you are not alone and you are right where you need to be on your journey. I believe that and I believe in you. Not so fast, my friend. If you feel motivated after today's episode and moved to pay it forward and give back to me, please share this podcast with a friend. You can either share the link directly in a text message or take a screenshot and post it on Instagram. Just be sure to tag me at Sarah Munder so I can see it and give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. It's important to surround yourself with positive, like-minded people who lift you up. So I urge you to join us in our Motivated Moms Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash motivation for moms podcast. If you need something to help you change your life, like right now, go to my website to get a free copy of my life changing worksheet, the mama miracle. Just go to the put in your name and best email address, and I'll send it over to you right away. While you're there, you can sign up for my popular and affordable planner makeover course and learn how to use your planner to reach your goals, accomplish all of your tasks with ease, establish your non-negotiables, and finally create time in your life for the things that really matter to you, but often get neglected. And if you're ready for next level breakthroughs in your life, in your personal and professional goals, in your relationships, then I urge you to get on the list for my exclusive 12-week coaching program, Breakthrough. I only work with moms who are serious and committed to changing every area of their life for the better. So if this is you, go to themamamiracle.com forward slash breakthrough. Thanks for being here today. Now go out there, take charge of your day, you beautiful, powerful, and incredible mama. Have a great weekend and I'll talk to you soon.